must not go back to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host Dan, and we are here with another chapter from the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. And today we have Elizabeth back with us. Hello everyone! So, uh, before we get into the the meat of this chapter, uh, I just wanted to knock off a couple of random things that just popped out at me during this. The first thing I'm just going to bring up here is I have never heard of this before, and I have read the uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and I haven't read in a while, mm-hmm. but I do not remember what a blood-sucking bugbear was. <laughs> Hagrid mentions it as a possible culprit in the rooster slayings, <laughs> and I have no idea what a bug what a blood-sucking bugbear is, but uh, yeah, there's a mention for that. <laughs> And moving on quickly from it. Um, so we get introduced to what a parcel mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the ability to speak with snakes. Which is such a cool skill. It's very cool. Um, we're going to get into it a little bit later, which is why I'm mentioning it right off the bat here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a cool kind of idea. Um, I guess we do kind of see it earlier in Sorcerer's Stone, when he talks to the snake at the zoo, or he's talking and the snake Sets seems him to understand free him. to go to Brazil. Yeah. So we kind of see it there a little bit, but um, no, just kind of a cool talent to have. It'd be probably a better talent to have if you were, I guess, in an area with more snakes. I'm not exactly sure of the snake population <laughs> of the United Kingdom, but. <laughs> You know, um, but if you saw them, it'd be interesting to hear what they'd have to say and how many would want to listen to you versus continue to attack you regardless, or just you know, be your friend, little snake friend. Yeah, I, they mentioned. Oh, we can go into it a little bit later, but <laughs> um, there is an avenue to go down here as far as like uh, uses and yeah. kind of what that talent might give you outside of just the ability to speak with them. Right. Anyway. And then the other thing that jumped out to me on these on this reread that we've done, mm-hmm. little things have popped out to me, like the wording of things. Like uh, on one of the last episodes, we had Professor Bin's "Many people have said that's how he died and that's how he came back." Well, many people have said isn't like actual fact; that's hearsay. Yeah, he's become a thing of legends. Yeah, so catching little words like that makes you perk up a little bit and this one caught me as the first time we hear of professor sinistra and they tag it along with from the astronomy department Mm -hmm. and again i've always thought of her as the astronomy teacher Mm -hmm. done astronomy department so you're wondering if there's many astronomy professors yes the astronomy department <laughs> makes you then think that there are more than one professor not in the necessarily subject. i'm in the english department and it's 
me and one other teacher. That is plural, you and one <laughs> other teacher. But technically, I teach everybody except the freshmen. So, like, I am almost the entire English department. And you just said the word almost <laughs> the entire. The other teacher is also the complete Spanish department. She has one English class for the high school, so it's like... But all the other teachers, like our math teacher, there's one math teacher, so it's the math department. There's one science teacher, there's one history teacher, there's you one art teacher. You work in a school of it's 30 a- kids. <laughs> 30 kids. There there's are more like, than 30. There are like 30 there's kids in one year. There's probably 100. It's probably 100. It's not that small. So, <laughs> so Hogwarts is a bigger school than the one you work at, either way. Yeah, but that goes back into our whole, like... Like schedule with the professors. Yeah, they, go check out the potions master. By the way, where I made you, a schedule. Yeah, you it break down intense. McGonagall's schedule. But, they need to be paid more. Uh, but no, but that goes to this point of like that's a lot of work. We never. I, we I, rarely hear about astronomy. Well, yeah, I mean that's true. But and it's just part like, of that's probably just because it's like it has to happen at night, so that schedule's weird. But all we've heard about so far is McGonagall and Snape and Flitwick and, and Lockhart. And Lockhart, but <laughs> they, as far as we know, teach every year, every class. Right. Like you said, that's hard to do. Even no matter how many students you have, that's hard to do. Yeah. So this idea of an astronomy department, I'm just like. I think it's just you hearing department and being of a bigger school, thinking multiple teachers in a department. Whereas I hear department and I'm like, oh, it's that one teacher. She could have used a different word. She could have just used astronomy class. She could have, <laughs> but she didn't. That's what I'm saying. I think you're nitpicking words. It just jumped out to me as something <laughs> that like when I hear the words, whatever subject department I think of. See, for me, I just yeah. think like all the different classes that are taught, like I am in the English department. I have five different classes I have to prep for. Which is a lot for teachers in general. Usually it's like two, maybe three. I have five. And the science teacher in my school has six classes to prep for. And she is the science department. I'll move on from it. (laughs) I just caught it and thought, that's a weird choice of words if Mm -hmm. it's just one person. But anyway, I digress. What other random things stuck out to you? Let's see. Because I particularly enjoyed the legal trade of all of the, like, the safety, like, talisman and, and things to protect them from the air slithering. You know and where I think like... they got that idea from? Hmm. Is uh, Lockhart spouting his, um, <laughs> his, I guess, ways of getting rid of werewolves or banshees or whatever else. or something. Yeah, and he's like... Oh, yeah, I, I gave them all amulets, and they have forever been saved from this It just makes me laugh, because it's like, even the muggle world, this is the same thing that kind of happens. Like, people take advantage of fear, because they know they can make a quick profit, and everyone is terrified. Even Neville, who they're like, you're pure blood. He's like, but I suck, I'm almost a squib. It's like, you won't get attacked. You shouldn't get attacked. You don't need to spend your money on these little talisman and things. Mm-hmm. It just made me laugh. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was one thing that was good. I did like Ron, Ron had a couple of good quotes, um, throughout this, but one after he meets, uh, Harry again, after Harry gets out of the hospital wing, which mm. is right out of the, right out of the gate of this chapter, 
Um, so Dobby stopped us from getting on the train and broke your arm. You know what, Harry? If he doesn't stop trying to save your life, he's going to kill you. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just a great quote. And it's such, to me, an essential, like, Ron quote. Yeah. Like, that's... It would be one of the... And I could see him saying it with such a straight face, too, and not realizing, like, how funny how of ridiculous a quote it is. It, this is hard to say because it's right off the top of my head, but if I had to pull, like, 10 or 15 quotes of, That'd be like, one of what's essential Ron, this would probably <laughs> be one of them. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Well, then, too, because that's what the thought is in Harry's brain of, okay, Dobby gets associated with, like, you know, danger or I'm going to get in hurt kind of a thing or I'm going to get in trouble kind of thing. So then it's like reframing his way of viewing Dobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until uh, that gets challenged later on. So they, can we just get to the dueling club? I just, I just want to get <laughs> the to the title of the chapter. The title of the chapter. <laughs> it's the title of the chapter, but it's also my favorite part of this chapter. Mm. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of it. I love it. It's it's like, a smart thing to have. It's one of the, I think, <laughs> good ideas that Lockhart has had. come up with. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Now, the execution of which... It, it could use some help. It Maybe could use some more supervision, because there's a lot of people in the Great Hall all shooting spells at each other. Supervision, I think organization could have been a little bit better like you could have done different periods with the different years yeah because putting like a first year against like a six year is kind of like uh, i don't think it's gonna end well i would assume that like lockhart i don't know is, if lockhart's good enough to know not to no, them together. i will i will give lockhart that at least that he seemed to be pairing them up fairly knowledgeably um, I think just the years were kind of grouping together because it's like that's their friend group. That's who they know. Yeah, which is fine. But yeah, I I would have organized that differently. <laughs> um, but it's a cool, cool idea, and I think I, yeah, I would have had a different professor be the, uh, the sponsor for it. Uh, not that I would have chosen Snape either. You would for have that gone matter. with Flitwick. I would have gone with Flitwick. Right. Uh, which we can get into later. But <laughs> I would have gone with Flitwick. Uh, Snape obviously shows... Or Dumbledore. I mean, they know that he has this, like, incredibly famous duel in his past. It was on the Chocolate Frog. Well, that would certainly keep the kids' <laughs> attention if Dumbledore was up there yeah. demonstrating this. Yes, but, I mean, realistically, he's got so much on his plate. Like, why? Because you could. <laughs> It'd be a chance to be with the kids. He doesn't really get to teach them as much. And that's the joy of teaching, of being with the kids. Mm, I don't know. I, I think he would probably delegate it. McGonagall would be maybe a decent choice. <laughs> or um, the, the answer is Flitwick. It is Flitwick. But we can move on uh, from that. I just wonder if Dumbledore asked Snape to supervise because he did not seem like he wanted to be there. And Lockhart literally just removed Harry's arm. So I could see him as being like, maybe we should make sure there's an adult in the room to keep the kids from killing each other on accident. I had the same thought as you, but 
ultimately, I don't believe that to be the case. Okay, so why? So I think Snape volunteered for this. I think Snape was like the overexcited child. I think he was the Hermione of this moment <laughs> of like, okay, Lockhart needs a dueling partner and his hand just shot up into the air very excitedly. So he hates Lockhart so much. I he think wants he a wants chance a chance to, like... to shut him up. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I think he took this opportunity as like, oh, I can get at him. He keeps spouting all of these like heroic things he's done and accomplishments. He's like, let's see how good he really is. It could possibly be against Lockhart, but it could also be a chance to embarrass Harry. Because he goes very quickly with pairing Harry and Malfoy together, knowing perfectly well how that's going to go. I think that was just an added bonus. I think that was... Well, I think that's like part of the appeal. Because he just had stuff stolen from his, you know, his cover in potions class. And he knows Harry's involved, but he can't necessarily prove it as well. So why not get a chance to take revenge in dueling? Uh, Snape is certainly opportunistic in that in that potential outcome, for sure. <laughs> uh, definitely an added bonus for him being there. I felt so horribly bad for Harry when they get up there and Snape whispers in Draco's ear, and you just know something is coming at you. Right. And Lockhart's just like, just do what I did. And Harry quickly goes, What drop my wand? What drop my wand? <laughs> uh, Which so I feel like great. the the um the spell that Snape whispers to Malfoy, like the serpent sorcerer, I suck at saying Latin. Sorcia? Serpent sorcerer. I suck at pronouncing things. But don't you think, like, that would be very complex magic to just conjure up a creature, like a living creature? And I wonder, like, just hearing the spell and then being able to do it, like, I mean, we've we've talked before about how some spells require very specific pronunciation and very specific, like, wand movement. And here he just whispered it in his ear and it's just like, boom, I did it. So it just makes me wonder, like, why... Like, what about that spell made it so easy to produce a snake? Or the complex, the various levels of complexity of different spells, I guess, is what it was making me think about. To answer the question, I would say Snape was specific in how he said to do it. Mm -hmm. Because Snape just strikes me as a very, like, point by point, this is how you're going to do this kind of guy. Well, especially with a Slytherin. As a student. I think it's just his potions background. It's like, step by step, okay. these are the instructions of how you are going to do this. Um, but yeah, the Slytherin background, you might have like an innate talent with that type no, of No, I meant more like you're a Slytherin, so I'm going to try extra hard to teach you. Oh no, I, I honestly don't think he cares that much. I think he does if it's coming against Harry in a duel. That doesn't have anything to do with Slytherin though. That has to do that with- That Slytherin. No. So, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, so Slytherins have a talent- I think for having a serpent sorcia type of spell, given their connection to literally their crest. Uh -huh. But uh, to your point, I don't think Snape's enthusiasm is because I'm going to help this Slytherin overcome Gryffindor. No, the enthusiasm is to get revenge on Harry. Harry. But I'm just saying he takes the extra effort because it is a Slytherin. Oh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think part of it. Maybe we'll agree a, to disagree. Maybe a little part of it, but I don't think it's a leading thing. I think it's no, no, I don't think it's a leading thing. But I think it's an extra factor. Hmm. 
We'll we'll fight it out later. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but going back to some of those spells, uh, you There's got Rictusempra. Rictusempra, which is interesting. So um, that's a tickling charm. It's a tickling charm, which is portrayed much differently in the movie. I think it like propels Draco back in like this spiraling. Uh, kind of motion. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems more violent in the movies than in the books because he's just like keeled over, but it's because he's laughing because he's being tickled so much. Yeah. So that is an interesting one. Also, Rictus Sempra, when I say that, and I'm sure there's some Latin meaning translating tickling charm, but I when I see Rictus Sempra, I don't think tickling charm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why. I just wonder where they got the knowledge for some of these charms. Because I doubt Flitwick was teaching it to them in class. It would seem maybe more of like a defense against the dark arts thing. But Lord knows Lockhart didn't teach it to them. And Coral probably didn't either. So it makes me wonder how much time they spend in the library. Like looking up little potential. I wouldn't discount Quirrell as a teacher per se. I just don't think it would just have been Just because he was weird, year. it doesn't mean that No, I think like trying to talk, but I think it wasn't necessarily... I agree, I don't the think... The tickling charm doesn't seem like a dark arts I, No, I agree with thing. you there. I, I agree with you there. So, I mean, you could pick that up. I, tickling charm, you could probably find that in a non-restricted section. It just reminds me but. of like when people take a foreign language, how one of the first things they do is look up curse words in the dictionary. It seems like this kind of thing of like, okay, I'm in the library. I can go look up little spells that I could use on my friends or my enemies and can get at them like that. Yeah. I mean, Hermione seems to have delved into that a little bit with the end of Sorcerer's Hermione Stone. just wants to read everything. <laughs> That's fair. But like we were saying, you don't necessarily have to get into the restricted section to right. kind of find some of this. So It just makes me wonder like how much... Because, I mean, like, for them, the library is a place where it's, oh, I'm doing my homework or whatever. But at the same time, how much time do they spend in there for fun to look up fun things that they could use later on in life? Depends on what kind of person or student you are. Because, again, I don't see, like, Seamus just going in there. I don't care what he's looking up. But I don't don't see him... (laughs) Spending that extra time in the library? Yeah, on his own going to the library. You know, and some of it is from older students, probably. Yeah, probably. That has just kind of either they witness or their parents, like kind of, or their parents or older brothers and sisters or whatever. Yeah, a lot of it's probably just. It just makes me think, like, how much knowledge is given in class versus they find on their own or from some other source. Just interesting. Yeah, Harry used Rictu Sempra on Malfoy. Malfoy used. Something. Tarrant Telegra, I think, on Harry. That was after. Which is the, uh, that jerking legs spell. So, some different ones uh, that we've gotten for kind of the first time, which is kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, we can kind of go back into the Dueling Club a little bit more in the spoiler section. Mm. But um, Harry then finds himself... Going to the library later on, searching for Justin Finch Fleshley. Uh, because at the end of that dueling club session, um, obviously Serpent Sorcia, Snake comes out. Harry tells it to not attack Justin, mm-hmm. uh, which it does. 
But no one seems to be focused on that part. But no one seems to be focused on the overall context of like what exactly happened, which I haven't. Which makes sense because I mean, it's a shocking thing to suddenly hear Harry Potter speak to snakes. Yes, that would be an alarming thing. Mm -hmm. However, the order of events doesn't exactly make sense. No one is looking at Draco as the person who actually casted the snake. And then Harry is suddenly the awful person for after the snake has already been casted and already gone to Justin. Oh, so you think Malfoy got off easy. Yeah. He's the one that <laughs> casted the stupid thing. Snape told him to. Either way, <laughs> it's like Harry's on the far back end of this. Because he could talk to snakes, which makes it sound like he's the heir of Slytherin, which... Enemies of the air, beware. How do they even know he's actually talking to a snake? He could just make hissing sounds. Normal people don't usually hiss. He tries it later in his dorm. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was by himself, not in front of a whole crowd. I'm just saying. It's like... How many people in your life have you known who just randomly go up to people and hiss at them? With a snake? Because I don't know, <laughs> some kid might go up to a snake and <laughs> hiss at it. I don't know, trying to speak to it. Doesn't mean they can. No. See this big snake coming after you? You like run away or like kick at it or well, something. Well, he didn't. Or he use his there. wand. He stayed there. And then another kid. But he said he had this like overwhelming feeling that he could like, like get through to it somehow. And then once it, he said like, you know, get away from Justin, then it was a calmness. He knew it wasn't going to attack anymore. But from everyone else's perspective, Harry starts hissing. And then Justin's terrified. Everyone else is here. Even Snape looks weird. Snape is like making some calculated face. Like I was not expecting that. Yes, but that could be for an entirely different reason. Yes. Which we can get to later. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll get there later. But no, it, it was just so the Hufflepuffs essentially when. Harry is going to look for Justin in the library to try to explain they have the situation. Very quickly decided Harry is. Yes. There. Ernie McMillan is kind of leading this. I mean, he's basically standing on a soapbox, kind of giving this monologue speech of why Harry is the heir of Slytherin. And again, and the conspiracy kind of does fit to his credit. Like everything that he says, like there is a logic behind it of how it could fit like that the only credible part of his thing i could think of is the reason why voldy went after him right was to try to eliminate the rise of another dark lord right i can understand that logic but then of course what if you believe that logic then everything else that he then says would kind of like go together does no one at all think if he's the heir of Slytherin, wouldn't he then be in Slytherin house? Or do they just assume Maybe he... Maybe they think he's so dark he tricked the sorting hat. I mean, if you're the heir of Slytherin, Malfoy, the hat didn't even touch Malfoy. <laughs> and it said Slytherin. To be fair, these are, what'd you say... 
These are second year stupid people. If you're the right? heir of Slytherin, I'm assuming the hat is sitting year. on a shelf in his office before Harry ever gets there and he goes, that kid's Slytherin, like way over there. But again, like he said, like first year stupid, like now they're second year stupid. But I mean, if, if, if it's almost like a math equation, like if Voldemort tried to take down Harry because of Harry's secret power that would threaten him, okay, cool, then anyone who annoys Harry... He's going to go after because he's, you know, a young boy who is getting accused of stuff. So Colin was taking pictures of him. Let's attack Colin. He got detention, almost got detention with Filch. Let's attack his cat. Like, you know, Justin said that he wasn't going to go to Hogwarts. It was more like a muggle-born school. Well, then go after him for that. I get it. But there's a long step between a kid kind of being annoying and, like, I'm going to kill that kid. There's well, that's like, why it's a conspiracy There's like theory. a step off of like... But you can see the conspiracy from their point of view once you start no, diving into it. No, I can see it from it. his point of view. Because the other Hufflepuffs, to their credit, especially Hannah, uh, is like... He seems so is, nice. Yeah, are we really sure this makes a whole lot of sense? Because from what we actually know, there's a lot of counterpoints here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Gryffindor, made the Dark Lord go away... <laughs> Seems like just a genuinely cool kid just to talk to. Why are we jumping to such aggressive uh, accusations? Because there's no one else yet who could potentially be the heir of Slytherin. Why wouldn't you just consider a Slytherin? Because no Slytherin has come out to talk to snakes the way Harry has. Malfoy literally said, mudbloods beware. Yeah, Malfoy's Malfoy. <laughs> I get it, but he actually <laughs> uttered a threat. Well, that's why they're trying to make the Polyjuice Potion, to go check him out. I. It's because the they're are. stupid teenagers, and here's the first <laughs> piece of evidence that, like, this person could be it. So we're all going to jump on that and blame him and make his life miserable. I know. And and you said it. You said my phrase from book one was first year dumb. Yeah. I get it. Now and it's you, second these, year stupid. And now these are second year stupid kind of <laughs> comments and points of logic. And if you're listening to this, yes, I identify with the Ravenclaw house. So <laughs> well, my Harry, logic is Harry like, what are you doing? even said listening to it, he's like, if he wasn't so angry, it would have been funny. Because it is ridiculous. But he's just like, right. you are accusing me of... Like, attacking my peers, that's not okay. I don't do that kind of thing. So, of course, he's angry and wants to go find Justin to try to, like, you know, apologize slash tell him exactly what happened. And again, if anybody does any level of actual investigation, like, the teachers don't even have to investigate because they know already, like, this is actually impossible for him to do So this is one of those cases where it's, like, because the... It's like very confidential type things. Like the teacher's not telling the kids, hey, it's not Harry, because why would you need to? Then they can make their own little conspiracies and I mean, gossip spreads. You don't very even need quickly. to get very far because the first one happened while he was at the Death Day party. Right. And now the second one, the double attack on Justin and nearly headless Nick. Third and fourth one. Don't, yeah. Don't forget about Colin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The third and fourth. More one. attacks, but just more attacks, which like literally right after the whole thing in the library. Yeah, he was just. And he's like, what is my luck here? He was just in the library and he confronted those Hufflepuffs. Mm-hmm. So they know he was there listening. Mm-hmm. Then he runs into Hagrid in the hallway, has a conversation, granted brief, but still a conversation with Hagrid. Then stumbles immediately on 
the body of Justin and the floating ghost, <laughs> uh, nearly headless Nick. Poor Nick. And all of this happens, and then this wonderful, brilliant Ernie McMillan comes running into the hallway again and says, caught in the act, which made me mad again because clearly he does not know the meaning of the phrase caught in the act. <laughs> caught in the act means you are literally doing the thing, not just Five there. seconds afterwards. Yeah. And it's like... I just love Peeves coming in and just cracking up and singing songs about Harry killing his peers. Right, which isn't helping anything. <laughs> which I get is Peeves' whole point is he doesn't help at all. He makes everything exponentially worse. I think they really... But, I think McGonagall was like, okay, we're going to go see Dumbledore in part to get Harry out of the scene, but also to like make everyone else think like, okay, this is being taken care of. You need to stop freaking out and having little conspiracies. Go back to your well, norms. I, I just blasted Ernie for saying like caught in the act, which... He's not, but he is at the scene of the scene of the crime, scene of the crime, which is a whole other part of this. Right. And I think that's why McGonagall's like, okay, this is a thing now. We're going to have to like Interview. take this up the chain a notch. Yep. And that, and that's, you know, McGonagall is like the most sane person in this whole <laughs> like scene, which should be the case. But um, yeah, it's just it, the whole thing's ridiculous. And the, uh, the chapter scene, Dumbledore's Griffin door. <laughs> yeah, his, his knocker is a griffin, so that would then make it a griffin door. I just love it. Puns! Yay, uh, puns! And on puns, we will end the non-spoiler section <laughs> and uh, enjoy the wonderful tones of Lockhart as we go into the spoiler section. Be right back. All right, so we're back from break. Uh, Elizabeth and I fought it out. We're okay. Um, we're all right. Guys. Speaking of fighting, we're going back to the dueling club. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot there that we kind of wanted to dig into a little bit more. Obviously, Harry using um, parcel mouth, parcel tongue, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he is a parcel mouth because he speaks parcel tongue. That was the distinction. I had to double check it. He speaks to snakes. So, <laughs> so there is there's a lot that goes into that. And um, <laughs> you, you hinted in the non-spoiler that it, it's maybe not just the fact that he can communicate with a snake, but is there a deeper connection there? With the snakes. And is that part of the power of it? Is if you can talk to a snake, then you kind of have this... Uh, inherent level of I don't want to say control, but like, um, well, you can build a relationship with the snake. That's why Voldemort can build a relationship with Nagini. You have like a sway over it. I don't want to say like complete control, but like a sway over it. Because I can I mean, see that. Like, I mean, not many people can talk to snakes, right? So it's almost like a I don't know. And obviously, we know the chain of this characteristic. And right. the types of people that have had this. Right. And, um, Which is why I kind of think it's a shame that Harry doesn't utilize it as much. Because he could talk to regular snakes and just have little conversations like he did in the zoo. And I think that'd be really interesting. I'm not exactly sure how many snakes he sees on a daily basis. I know, again. But it would be kind of fun. Like, I mean, they get to have cats and rats and owls. Like, if he had a little pet snake and... 
it would help with the mice population in the castle. I think the reaction of his fellow students and Snape, which we'll get to in a second, <laughs> and then, you know, his best friends scare him away from ever wanting to do that ever again. Yeah, which is really a shame. It is, because you can use it for more positive circumstances. Well, we know in the rest of the series, like, getting into the Chamber of Secrets, he has to use it. And, of course, Ron and Hermione later on in the seventh book, like, Ron imitates him to get into the Chamber. And understanding the Vasilis when it's, like, trying to attack It's another example of a random person hissing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he's heard someone hiss. There was a reason to get there. But then also, too, in the seventh book, like, being tricked by Nagini when she's trying to be, um... Bagshot? Uh, yeah, Bagshot. Like, I think in the whole series, she uses it well, like, to touch back upon it. It's not like a one detail that's then forgotten and tossed away and just used in this book for no, this one it's used to thing. kind of emphasize different things. I just wish that he could have a situation more like the first book where it's like a fun thing to talk to snakes. Not necessarily there's this big evil stigma behind it. Except there's a really big evil stigma. There's, I'm like, yeah, but I want him to get rid of it. And, and part of that, I think, uh, we hinted towards Snape's reaction to it. And yeah, it was a very calculating look. Most of the kids are reacting like, this is really scary. Weird. It's, it's, it's weird. Scary. It's different. Most of the non-Muggle-born kids know what that stigma is. Which is why they're like terrified. But Snape not only knows what that stigma is, he has experienced experienced that stigma right presumably he, in person he's seen another parson moth yeah the parson moth if you will <laughs> the og yeah the, i mean not the og but like yeah he, he's you know he's heard Voldemort well, that's how harry gets before. his so i'm right. counting that as the og part of it but yeah it's like um yeah he knows who has utilized that particular talent right I'm sure Snape's first thing he does after he gets done with this is go hey, straight to Dumbledore and be like, dude, Which this Which he kid. should do anyway, because, like, if you're going to take care of your students, and here's the student who just revealed this, like, incredible power that everyone is going to be terrified of him now. Like, that kid is going to need some little special one-on-one time to help cope. So a good teacher would do that, but yeah, he's definitely doing it because like a lot of these, I want to report on Harry. A lot of these teachers are good, honestly. I don't see many of them doing that. I feel like they're they very would. like. But, but of the learning. two witnesses, the two teachers, there's, there's Lockhart and Snape. Lockhart's not going to do it. Honestly, he's the one to comfort more than any of the other teachers. There. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Most of the other teachers are but like. So it would no, definitely be responsible. Like it would be Snape's responsibility to go tell the headmaster. One of our students, this was the situation that happened. It'd be like writing up a report of it. Yeah, except there's a lot of connotations with this. Right. That require a whole like, other conversation. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> but only he would... I don't know even how much of an open secret that was. Like, I don't know how boldly Voldy flaunted that particular talent. That he could talk to snakes? Yeah. I don't know if general public knew that or just. Well, I mean, everyone knows that he's really close with Nagini. I could see. I don't him... even know if general public knows that because he kept Nagini close. Yeah, but. You know what I'm saying? Like. I, I could see it both ways because I could see it as him 
Tom Riddle being like, you know, I've got this connection to Salazar Slytherin because I am a Slytherin. But he gets that also with the locket, which he doesn't necessarily flaunt around. But, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much Maybe it's just a way to show off to the Death Eaters. Of like, here's my snake who could eat you at any time. Well, that's the other part of this is the people that would find out about this, I don't know that they're living long enough to just go out and tell the Daily Prophet. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I don't know how much Dumbledore or the first round of the order would just be like, hey, people, this guy does this. You know, I I don't know how much they flaunt that. If anything, it's just another depth to his evil in their minds. Because you can talk to snakes. Kind of. But the other interesting thing, of course, of the dueling club was Expelliarmus. Yeah. Harry ends up... The spell that he's known for. Yeah. The spell that defines him. Almost mocked for overusing, you know? Honestly, this is a whole other discussion, but honestly, (laughs) probably should be a little mocked for it. But anyway, that's a whole other debate for another time. But yeah, no, that spell that he is literally known for. He learns from Snape. He learns from Snape. (laughs) And now I will say this. Snape, again, has his dueling background as Lockhart said Mm -hmm. Um, Snape's history with dueling is he was obviously a death eater who I would assume go out and potentially do death eater things (laughs) like dueling (laughs) dueling. (laughs) Um, also he was the fair uh, target of such things with James and Sirius so Mm -hmm. Um, but he um he uses Expelliarmus, and it packs a punch. Right. And Which, I mean, you were saying earlier how he wants to show up Lockhart and just humiliate him yeah. because he's been full of talk, and he did this very, very well. And, of course, Lockhart was then was like, oh, that was so smart of you to show them. Now, I, I don't think people end up saying, like, Harry is this excellent duelist, and he's this excellent... Uh, magical fighter or whatever. Well, I think there goes. There's more that goes into dueling than just the spells you throw at other people. Yes, and you see that here because I can't think of a moment when Harry uses Expelliarmus and it has the same effect that, that? Snape has. Yeah. And right away, I know people are going to be like, "Well, what about when he's dueling Voldemort and he uses the spell and he like." The, the wands connect and he duels and he fights. I'm like, okay. You have a ton of different explanations for that throughout the series. You have the, the twin cores. You have their connection is they're literally, you know, Harry is half Voldy with the, the right. Horcrux and the soul. Right. Like there's a ton of different reasons for that spell to be that effective against that specific combatant. I think it's just kind of similar to... Um the unforgivable curses where it's like you have to mean it if you use it and i think lockhart meant or snape meant it against lockhart well i think harry means to disarm people yeah but he also but had the just, extra oomph of like i wanted yeah but literally like when harry does it the wand just flies out of the person's hand which is bad and that's effective yes right but at the same time you it's think like, maybe it's also in part because lockhart is just so 
bad. Well, he did nothing magic. to stop anything. <laughs> and I don't think he was expecting the particular venom behind the spell. No. Uh, which then, you know, Harry then notices throughout the rest of the encounter that Lockhart keeps glancing over at Snape and was like, yeah, let's do, let's do volunteers. You too. Like, yeah. let's, you know. And then Lockhart, like, actively avoids Snape, which is hilarious. I mean, I would. Um, <laughs> but no, so you see there that Snape is con- competent in more than just making potions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he packs a real threat of a punch. Um, so he can back up a lot of the arrogance that I think he just kind of carries, or at least from Harry's point of view, the, the arrogance that he carries. Yeah. If anything, I, the biggest, what I get from it is just how ironic it is that Harry is taught the life-saving spell that saves him multiple times by Snape, who both hates him and wants to protect him. Is charged him. to protect him? Yeah. I mean, he wants to protect him, too. He's Lily's son and has Lily's eyes and... You know, I mean, by the end, when he talks to Dumbledore, he's like, we've been protecting him like a pig to the slaughter kind of a thing. Like, like this is one of those cases where he accidentally taught him the very thing that will save his life repeatedly. I wonder if he ever goes back on that and has that, like, inner thought moment. Uh, because, again, Death Eater, he plays his part well, so he goes back to... Voldy playing the mm-hmm. the double agent. The Death Eaters know that that's his like signature. Move. They plan for it specifically. Yeah, they have a literal game plan in place for him to use that specific spell. Yeah. So I wonder if Snape just goes back on it ever and is like, "I taught him that." <laughs> like I was the little, first person. Little pride moment. That not and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he assumes he read it somewhere beforehand or mm. whatever, but. No, this is kind of that first moment, that first aha moment. Of, yeah. But no, it, it is cool. It, it's kind of a cool thing to kind of look back on and be like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Snape is, like you said, doing his part to protect Harry, despite how cruel and uh, just abusive <laughs> verbally and mentally he is to Harry. Um, to be fair, he disrupted his class in this chapter and that was a rude thing to do granted he didn't throw the firework but not, not, we'll still blame it on harry not just that but again to snape's point um it's a dangerous thing to try to disrupt a potion like he had to fix like half the ten, class yeah half the yeah. class from this potion, what if it wasn't a swelling solution? What I don't know. Was... What if he? Had, what if Goyle had been, you know, too dumb to get the potion right, and it was some poisonous acid yeah. or something? Like, like that, that could be a very dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't imagine Snape is super thrilled with any of that. <laughs> um, but I do like your point about how he did have the deflating draft like ready to go. Yeah, I mean, just he, in case. he is a professional, experienced veteran teacher, so he knows. Something's going to go wrong. Got to prepare for the worst. He assumes these kids are all dumb. <laughs> and someone's going to make a mistake. And he's not wrong. <laughs> They're learning, Dan. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, the only other little bits I had from the spoiler is how I love how there's little tiny hints of what's going on with Ginny. We you know she's been having nightmares. She continues to be very distraught. 
And Hagrid talks about the roosters, you know, being strangled and killed, which we know Ginny is the one who's been doing, though she doesn't remember it. So it's, it's nice to see that there's a little hints sprinkled throughout of what's really going on. Yeah, I guess on rereading it, it's <laughs> not nearly as subtle. Like the first read, and I don't know why, it's really not that subtle <laughs> that Ginny has a very major part to play in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, uh, I can't even, I, I guess I'm trying well, to remember. Well, it's like, it's a mention of Ginny, and so we mentioned like George and Fred were off being goofy or Percy she made some the, comment. It's like mentioning of the Weasleys to she remember she's yeah. there. She explains it away well enough that she's, a, you know, first year experiencing a lot of this for the first time. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just, I can't remember exactly what my first thought of this was. Cause again, it was a long time ago when I first read this. <laughs> um, but I want to say I didn't have like, a strong feeling that Ginny had a major role in this. Well, in general, we've talked before about how J.K. Rowling is really good at tossing in little tiny details that seem insignificant, and then later on you're like, oh my god, that so was important. Yeah, so obvious. Yeah. So, like, on reread, it's like, wow, she's really beating you over the head with this Ginny thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, very obvious. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know, unless you have anything else. Pretty much it. I just love the idea of the dueling club. And I wish Flitwick was the sponsor because Hermione has the line about, but this is another hearsay line of she heard somewhere that he was a dueling champion. Right. We don't know for sure. Yeah. If you look at different sites and different places, they all seem to take that as fact. And then you see his accomplishments later in the books mm -hmm. when he's defending Hogwarts. Um, I know he goes up, I think he goes up against Yaxley and Dolohoff. Mm -hmm. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he is a dueling expert, because I mean, I could I see he, him as being under... I don't know if he fought them separately or together, but he, either way, he comes away from two, I could just see people underestimating him because of his size. It's like, size means nothing in the magical world. The amount of well, magic yeah, I have is... That, and then charms get such a bad rap for yeah. being like a soft subject, quote unquote. Yeah. And it's just like charms is the most mm -hmm. useful class. Cause you're going to use it every day. You're right. not going to use defense against the dark art. You're not going to make, make potions, potions every, every day. day. Yeah. Charms. You're probably going to do a charm every day. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think he gets a Flitwick gets a bad rap overall. He just doesn't get appreciated say enough. Bad rap. It's he, just, he's, just, under, he's, under he's undervalued. Yeah. But it's, he gets tossed to the side a lot when he shouldn't. And I don't know. I'll have a whole spiel. <laughs> I'm a big Flitwick supporter. Anyway, on that, we'll call it an episode. So, um, <laughs> so that we can get to the next one. <laughs> so that we can get to the next one. Uh, yeah, we'll be covering uh, Chapter 12, The Polyjuice Potion, next yeah, week. So join so, us. Yeah, Elizabeth will be back for that, so stay tuned. Um, let us know what you're thinking on all of our debates on Twitter and Instagram. So we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts, a podcast.